Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 67th episode of Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, I'm dying. I'm dying right now. I oh, no. I caught, I caught the death disease on the airplane. And I'm so tired. Oh, that's not good. Um, what will you remember me by? Oh no! Ah, <laughs> uh, I remember you by a lot of things, but you're not dying, right? Uh, probably not. I just feel like it. Are you? Co- I don't have COVID. That would that would suck. I've never yeah. had COVID before. I went all this time. Does COVID feel like you're dying and you're achy and your throat hurts and you cough? Is that what COVID's like? Uh, mine, I just had a really bad headache, a sore throat, and I wanted to sleep like 18 hours a day. When I-, I slept for like 12 hours last night. I slept, I slept a long time. Oh, I just thought I was so tired from winning too much money. I thought I caught money out of this at first <laughs> from just how exhausted I was carrying all the money home from Las Vegas. It was exhausting carrying all that mm-hmm. money around constantly. That's why I had to give some away before coming home. Just, you know, at midnight <laughs> at Sunday night, I just had to get some of the money out of my pocket. I just couldn't carry it anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially those pennies at the end, right? The, spe- the pennies were... Oh. The really, really, I don't think I could have made it home with those pennies in my pocket. <laughs> well, it would be hard to get them through security if they were in your pocket the whole time. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Not be able to roll craps for 45 minutes straight? I don't even know what that would be like. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of rolling craps. It sounds like you would win a lot uh, of money. If you I don't know how to roll 40, a seven. Apparently, 45 minutes straight. Yeah. Yeah, I never played craps before in my life before Friday, and uh, I don't know. I probably won't play craps again anytime soon because I still recognize that I'm not some kind of god of dice rolling. I just got insanely lucky. But you know, it's it's good to be lucky sometimes. Do you ever know yeah. that? Did you ever know that it's good to be lucky sometimes? <laughs> it is good to be lucky. What was your uh, what was your winnings count on the craps table? Uh, between three and four thousand dollars. It was hard to keep track, and if you count, <laughs> too much if you money. count the money I handed out at the end. It was there was just too much, mm. and I had to throw it all around because there were people in my hotel room at eleven forty-five at night, and I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. It was uh, it was quite the ordeal. We played uh, for the audience. We played Blood in the Clock Tower in the hotel room after after dinner on Sunday night. Got like. I think we had 11 I people I playing. Craps Ro- yeah, Roger was not there. We had like 11 people playing and I was running it in mine and Roger's hotel room. And he comes in the door at like almost midnight, a late, late o'clock at night and sees a million people in the room and just throws his money everywhere. <laughs> what are y'all doing in my I, room? I was tired of winning money. I had <laughs> won so much money by then. I didn't want to win any more money. I was tired of it. I just wanted to sleep. Mm-hmm. We've all been there before, where we're just tired of winning all the money. <sighs> Everyone's been there, yes. Everybody gets tired. Everybody's been there, <laughs> especially in Vegas. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I know about Vegas. You go there and you just get all the money. That's why everybody goes, right? 
Yeah, yeah, that that's why everybody goes because everybody everybody wins a lot of money at Vegas. Yes, that is why everybody. You won a lot of money, but you <laughs> I did you did it playing flesh and blood though the old the good old fashioned way. <laughs> that's true. Last time I went to Vegas, I didn't win a lot of money. We don't talk about that trip. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so you want to talk about some flesh and blood then? Now yeah, you want to start a craps podcast? Uh, I know some of the rules. I don't think I would be. I'm a apparently an craps expert. co-host. So okay. let's well, talk about flesh and blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. At least for today, you know, maybe I'll get be a craps expert next okay. time. Yeah. So, so uh, if you only saw last week's episode, how was playing Bravo? <laughs> uh, so we recorded that episode, I think it was Monday Sunday or night. Tuesday. Sunday? Did we record it Sunday? I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah because Sunday we wanted night. to get the, right. we had to get Travis early. to Monday. Travis yeah, was yeah. traveling and had plans and mm-hmm. stuff. So we recorded Sunday night where I was in mid deck panic because I was on the team's Briar deck. I thought the team's Briar deck was great. I had decent results in the Lexi. I couldn't beat Icelander, but you know, who's going to play Icelander? It's not like there'll be two Icelanders in the top eight or anything. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to play Briar. And then like, I think it's Saturday. I'm playing a bunch of games with Andrew and Andrew's planning to play Lexi. Andrew's real good at the game. He's a good Lexi player. He's played against our Briar a decent amount of times. And he smashes me. The games are not close. And I'm like, wow, what happened here? And I think about it. And he's just blocking and not overvaluing the on hits that I can just cover up with my armor and my four blocks. And he's just blocking and setting up big hands to do like 20 to 30 damage that even though I have a couple four blocks, it doesn't matter because you're attacking for 20 damage and I'm just taking a bunch of damage anyway. And then I realized that strategy seems very repeatable. You know, blocking with a couple time cards, using some ice disruption, sending arrows whenever you have a good opportunity to, but just like not really valuing the on hits too highly in Lexi and just like blocking instead when you're doing just like basic like math on your hands, just blocking when it makes sense to if you value the on hits pretty close to zero. And he or that strategy seemed really good. We ended up playing Lexi and a Briar at the airport where I was using that kind of like same strategy against you and it seemed like it was working really well for me too. But because of that, many games of flesh and blood. I was like, I cannot play Briar. If the Briar, or if the Lexi's know the matchup, I'm going to die. We're going to doing top eight, which is open deck or in top eight, it'll be open deck list. There's going to be a bunch of Lexi's in the top eight. If I make top eight, all the Lexi's are going to kill me. I'm not playing Briar. Even the Lexi's before that, if they have practice in a Briar, they probably could come to similar heuristics because our Briar list, while it was reasonably better at blocking than like the old aggro versions of Briar, it wasn't like a whole new deck. It wasn't a whole different thing it was like a what we thought was just like a reasonably better version of an aggressive briar shell just better at blocking without really giving up much so i was like i cannot play briar and so i was like what decks are good and ben uh was having some success with bravo very good bravo player ended up getting second in the calling with bravo and i'm like ben you're my buddy you've led me you've led me to some good decks in the past I think I'm going to follow you and play some Bravo. Bravo seems real good. And so I played a little bit of Bravo and I don't think Bravo was a bad choice, but you have to know so often you have to make so many decisions about when it is correct to 
just take take damage and dominate a thing. And then you also have to play very differently in a lot of different matchups and you have to sideboard correctly in different spots. And I've never played Bravo before because I've always been someone who is like, Bravo sucks. You should never play Bravo because old time is a legal hero. But old time's not a legal hero anymore. So uh, I thought you were going to say, I've never played Bravo before because I'm someone who's smart. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, I would have taken that answer too. Well, Old, when Oldheim was legal, there was no reason to play Bravo because Oldheim mm-hmm. was almost strictly better and had a better card pool, had a better hero ability, had better basically everything. Better equipment, better weapon. You can't play Oldheim anymore. Bravo got some new cards. Bravo got better. Oldheim's not an option anymore. But Bravo's matchups are very different from Oldheim's matchups. And I was also even recently unfamiliar with old time at the time on old time living legend. I, I only played old time way back like before Starvo and then at PT two, but that was over a year ago. Metagame is very different and a lot, a lot has changed since then. So I played like five games of Bravo and I had decent results in the Lexi. I kind of understood that matchup reasonably well. Cause I played it from the Lexi side and I knew how to play Bravo and a Briar, which wasn't a great matchup. And uh, I thought that switching to the fatigue plan would make that matchup quite good. And then you promptly beat me up 2-0 when I was trying to fatigue you. And I was like, nope, not playing Bravo. If the Briar matchup's not very good and the Lexi matchup's okay, just okay. And I have no idea what I'm doing in my other 17 matches or however many heroes there are in the game. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, maybe I'll play Icelander. Maybe I'll just go back to Icelander. I, people, Icelander's been doing great. People have been saying Icelander's real good play a few games in a Brody's Lexi. I think it was Brody's Lexi. Someone's Lexi. Get promptly 3-0'd. The games are not close. Icelander still can't beat Lexi. I'm shifting my eyes for audio listeners. Um, give up on Icelander. And then, at this point, my options are play Briar, deck that I'm used to that I don't think will give me a great chance to do well in the tournament. Play Bravo, a deck that I think could be good, but I am not nearly experienced enough to play it well, and I probably don't have time to get that experience, especially when a lot of the matchups are really niche and no one on our team is planning to play anyone except Bravo, Lexi, or Briar, so it'd be really out of their... Like, me asking for games would not be helpful for them to give me games for those other matchups. Or just switch to Lexi, who... I've been saying it's the best deck for a long time. You've been saying it's the best deck for a long time. Everybody knows Lexi is the best deck. And I played Lexi at PT3. I've played a lot of Lexi in our testing games to help other teammates decide they shouldn't play Icelander. And so I bite the bullet. I go to our team's Lexi meeting Tuesday night and kind of hang out for an hour, just listen to everybody talk about Lexi because about half of our team was trying to play Lexi. A lot of them had good ideas and knew what, like, I think our team just... I think that's part of the value of being on a team is even if I thought I was playing a different hero, I could still have a good Lexi list a few switching a few days before the tournament. So I switch to Lexi. I get as many games in as I can in the two days before the tournament. Fly in Thursday night. Go talk to Brody and Michael Fang and Travis some more about Lexi, final, final cuts, final additions to the deck, a little bit about matchups and equipment we're presenting in different matchups. Go to bed or register Lexi and go to bed. And that's how I ended up on Lexi. It's quite the tale. It's quite the tale. Mm-hmm. Did it work out for you? <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, 
So I went six and two and constructed with Lexi. I lost to, I guess before top eight, I lost to fatigue Briar and regular teammate, Matt Coles Briar. Um, so <laughs> I talked about the plan being repeatable. I think a few things went wrong in that game and then Matt played very well. So I think if we played that matchup a lot, I think I would have a, I would probably, I, I still think that it is a favorite matchup, but. So you're saying Matt got lucky and you know, that's the only reason why you <laughs> lost. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I think Matt played perfectly. I didn't see any mistakes on his side. I don't know if I played perfectly. The game wasn't recorded, um, but I definitely did not draw a single three of a kind in that game. So that's tough sometimes. Hmm. That card is kind of good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably. I may, may have made some mistakes as well. I, I honestly am not sure. Don't have the replay. And I'm glad it worked out though, because Matt made top eight. I ended up playing my next round, round 14 against the Bravo on camera and somehow won a game that I thought I was super dead in and squeaked. That up was the, the most eight. insane block for seven. <laughs> I'll never forget that block for seven. I was like, Michael's dead here. There's a pummel. <laughs> He's just dead. He can't beat the pummel. How is Michael going to beat the pummel? And then you beat the pummel. And I was like, that's why Michael makes the big bucks of flesh and blood and not craps like me. (laughs) The pummel was, I felt like it was face up. I had not seen a pummel from him, but the line he took only made sense. The last card was a pummel. And if the last card's a pummel, you got to, you got to play around the pummel. That's fair. So, I don't know if I was at if I was at two life. I don't think I'm blocking with four cards there. I think I'm just losing the end of the pummel. But because I was at four life, I could block with the three cards. If he pummel would put me to one, and I I could have a functional turn with the Falcon Wing and Arsenal and the Codex Ops in hand. But I thought there was just barely enough room to play around the pummel, and that's part of why I, t- I tanked for so long on that turn before I blocked. Because yeah, right away. Right away, it's like, this is probably a pummel. And it's like, I probably can't beat the pummel. I need to keep this three of a kind to do anything. And then thought for a long time. And I'm like, okay, maybe maybe we can beat the pummel. Yeah. And then you made top eight and you won the tournament and you're a reigning national champion again. <laughs> How does it feel to be two-time national champion, Michael? I did not win the tournament. I did not win oh, the you, tournament. Oh, you didn't? I'm so, shocked. You could not win national championships? I thought you won 100% of the national championships you played in up until now. <laughs> not, not this time. Not this time. I played against Evan. Oh, gosh. What, I, I should have looked up his last name before this. I played against Evan in the top eight. Very nice guy. He's from Florida. He's, I don't know. Very. We, t- we talked a bit before the game. We kind of talked about nerves going into the tournament and how we both were 7-0 and extremely nervous at the start of day two. It's a good time. Good chat. Um, but in that game... I'm actually excited to go back and do it because we're going to do it for university this week. But there's a couple mistakes I made. I think my three of a kinds were not the best they could be. I think there were a couple times that I'm like, I was really hoping that things would turn out differently than they did in the game, just like in terms of my draws. And they didn't. And then there were a couple turns where I made some blocking decisions thinking that it was unlikely that X thing would happen. And then X thing did happen and I got kind of punished for making some blocking decisions that maybe were not probably not optimal. Even I hate it when X thing happens. Why couldn't Y thing happen? What I know to the X thing? I was ready for Y thing to happen and X thing happened instead. <laughs> Unlucky. But, but we will go back. We will go back. 
university is going to be fun. I, I think the biggest one that I remember is um, there was a turn where I played a Codex of Frailty with a premeditate face up at Arsenal and got back my CNC and I was planning to attack with the CNC and I could play the premeditate before attacking with the CNC, make it for nine. He only has three cards in hand because he had to discard one to Codex or I could just attack with the CNC for six. Um, Evan discarded a three block to the Codex and he knew I had a face up premeditate. So most likely there his hand is three three blocks because otherwise you would probably just discard the card that doesn't block for three so i think the correct play is not casting the premeditate and just sending the command and conquer for six leaving the premeditate face up in my arsenal i end up playing the premeditate casting the cnc he blocks for nine because his hand is three three blocks which is almost 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 guaranteed at that point unless he expects me to make the super great correct play of saving the premeditate it's like he could pull some bluff and keep like a codex if that was the case. But when you discard that three block, I, th I think the correct play is just setting the CNC for six and saving the premeditate. And then I end up hitting a red bolt and shot off my ponder token and drawing into hand of four reds and get punished as hard as possible for not saving the premeditate. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, buddy. Maybe you'll win Nats again next year. <laughs> uh, That'd be nice. That'd be nice. But I, I had a good tournament. Can't be unhappy with top eight. I think that Evan played very well in that game. He's a very good player. Expect to see him do well at things again. And yeah, it was a good weekend. Good. I'm glad you had fun. How'd you do in the battle harden? Uh, I, I didn't get to play the battle harden. Oh, yeah, you were in top, top eight. eight. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm delusional at this point. I just, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on anymore. Yeah. But, uh, I think the team overall did really well too out at the battle hearted. I think we had three Wolfpack members in the top eight and Michael Fang ended up taking it down, which is awesome. Yeah. That guy's good at flesh and blood. Who knew? Who knew? I saw somebody post on Twitter that he took the highest EV line uh, that you could take if you don't top eight nationals or if we're top eighting nationals and not winning, I guess. Because I think, he won I think it was. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. He won like the same amount of money as a top eight but got the pti instead of the world's invite was still gold cold foil legendary so that's good yeah yeah i th i think the ev or the the value of his result was higher than a top eight finish worse than a top four finish which is quite good quite good for yeah. not top eight so matches. i would finish the results on the weekend probably like michael fong first then me playing craps and poker and then your top eight i think that's how i would rank those three <laughs> Three, three values. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, I actually think I think Ben actually beat all of us because Ben got second in the the calling, which I think is four K in a gold foil. Mm, that checks out. Which might be three K in a gold foil. I don't I don't remember what you get for second in the calling, but it, it's a decent. It's a pretty good pretty good payout. All that matters is Lexi at least picked up some living legend points over the weekend, you know. So if Ben yeah. was going to lose, I would take Ben losing to Alexi. And Yuki's great. So congrats to Yuki. Definitely a well-deserved pilot on that deck. Yeah, I, I heard a story from Ben on the after after the event. He told Yuki that he liked her podcast, and she said she didn't know that people from the state or people outside of Canada listen to her podcast. So uh if you're looking for another good flesh and blood podcast, on the bobble is quite good. I've listened to it uh I've not consistently, but I've I've definitely listened to like there are more limited focused episodes for sure. I always have some yeah. great insights on limited. Mm-hmm. I listened to all the Monarch episodes. Mm -hmm. It was helpful. Mm -hmm. 
when I just drafted Levy over and over again. Yeah, I went 3-1 in CC day one, and then I drafted Bolton like a fool. And then uh, the V of the Vanguard was always in like the last 10 cards in my deck. That's not a good place for V of the Vanguard to be. So what do no, you know? Because you need a lot of health because you cannot, uh, you can't really block and play V of the Vanguard. You kind of need your whole hand. Yeah, it's a, it's a very resource intensive card. But what are you going to do? Give up competitive flesh and blood and become a caster? <laughs> uh, is, that, is that what you're going to do? Probably. No memes. Uh, so I guess then I played the calling and just the whole weekend I felt underprepared, I guess. Like I went 3-1 in class constructed, but I would attribute that more to luck than skill, um, more so than anything else. Uh, being, I played against Pete Budensek round one and Kano, and I was just, I had the, the dream <laughs> equipment suite in my sideboard of the Crown of Seeds, Carapace, Gnome Room Boots, uh, Shock Charmers, and he just looks at my equipment and is just, sad and i'm like i don't i don't know what to tell you buddy sorry i didn't cut my shock drummers like i wanted to last minute and then <laughs> played some really close razor thin games my next two rounds and just got blown up by alexi and then but uh i always said i wanted to compete in flesh and blood if i feel like i had a shot at like winning tournaments like if my best for the tournament was like at least capable of hanging and, and duking it out I really didn't think I was like on the same skill level as the best players in the room that weekend. Like I thought I was like maybe average, maybe slightly above average, but uh, that, that doesn't win tournaments. Uh, you know, nobody's been like, Oh yeah, I was a slightly above average player in flesh and blood. And I won the whole thing. That's just, a, it's not really a, you have to be very good because it's such a skill intensive game. So given that my schedule is not freeing up anytime over the next three to 18 years with uh, law school and a child, <laughs> If I want to keep up engaging with flesh and blood, uh, maybe I should look into other ways of doing that. And casting seems like something I'd be good at. Sometimes people say they like my personality, and sometimes people say they like my voice. And sometimes people think I can look at flesh and blood cards really well with my laser eyes. So, I mean, that's like all three things you need to be a caster, I feel like. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah ch checks out, checks out. Uh, and uh, laser eyes is shorthand. Uh, I got laser eye surgery a few years ago, so I have better than twenty twenty vision. So all the time, people are like, "I can't see that thing over there," and I'm like, "No, it's 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 clearly this. Can't you read a small street shine from like five blocks away? Come on, come on, no, we could all. I, see I cannot, it. I cannot read it. I can see that the street sign exists, not what is on it. No, you should get laser <laughs> eye surgery, and you could. Mm, maybe maybe you can someday. see through walls it's, it's pretty handy seeing through walls wait, sometimes I, I don't i don't think you can see through walls that's Not, do you have laser eye surgery can you prove <laughs> no. that i can't see through walls no no i do not have laser eye surgery well there you go i mm -hmm. did and i'm claiming i can see through walls so take that buddy okay <laughs> you, you got you got me irrefutable uh-huh that's how uh, evidence works. Sponsored by a laser eye surgery company. <laughs> yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, what is, uh, let's talk more about limited though. You said you drafted Levia. How did you? How did your Levia dreams go? Yeah. So we actually talked before the draft, and we were like, "What would you prefer? What heroes would you prefer to be?" And I'm like, 
Prism. I think Prism is the hero that I want to be in. I think there's like 0% I draft Prism because I think every pod's going to have three plus Prisms. I think everybody wants to play Prism and I don't want to, I don't want to play Prism unless it's reasonably open. If there's two Prisms, I'll be like, I'll be the second Prism. I don't want to be the third Prism. I think a lot of people were comfortable being the third Prism too, which is why I don't think Prism, I didn't think Prism would be open very often. Um, I, I'm not, I don't want to be the third Prism. Um, so I was like Prism if it's open, but probably never be open. And then Chain, because I think very good Chain decks are very good. I think it's kind of scary being chained, but I think the best chain decks are like, they have a very high ceiling. And then after that, I think I'd prefer to be Bolton over Levia because Bolton, you you have some very, very powerful cards. You kind of just have a very, uh, a reasonably simple game plan of blocking a reasonable amount until you hit your power cards. You block a lot, you play your red illuminates. You kind of sit there, wait until you draw your power cards. And then you have a really strong turn where you kind of probably leak a bunch of damage. And then you can usually close out the game from there. And then last was Levia because uh, I still don't feel very comfortable playing Levia, despite <laughs> the fact that I played Levia in both drafts. I think she is the highest, uh, maybe I should say lowest floor in terms of what can happen in a game where you're just like, I'm going to do this really strong thing. I'm going to take a bunch of damage. I'm going to play my Dread Screamer into my Graveling Growl for 13, three card 13, going to be great. Miss on Dread Screamer. <laughs> comes comes in for six. You take two. I heard that yet. story a couple of times over the Man. weekend. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, playing Levia is very scary. I think I want a very. I kind of di- didn't want to play Levia unless I felt like it was the definitely the right choice. And my first draft, I started with Evanfold passing a Soul Harvest because I was like Soul Harvest. I think is what it's called the Levia Majestic Blue Six Power Thingy, and. Uh, I'm like, well, I'm probably putting the person next to me in Levia. And I look at my next pack and the best card in the pack by far is a red Deadwood Rumbler. And I'm like, well, hopefully I can cut him out, out of Levia because <laughs> the chain cards in this pack suck. I take the Deadwood Rumbler. And uh, third pick, I have a choice between a solid Levia card. I don't remember what it is and a red Illuminate. I'm like, I have the Evanfold. I have the Deadwood Rumbler. I think red Illuminate's definitely better than what I'm ending up taking, but I'm just going to stay the course and probably move into Levia chain still didn't look particularly open so i just took the levia card past red illuminate next pack has a red herald and i'm like well uh i guess we're i guess we're still levia and we're hoping that somebody else takes this prism sign and moves off the soul harvest they picked up and it ended up that majin bay sitting next to me had started by taking the soul harvest and then when the illuminate came he took that and then when the red herald came he just like solidly moved into prism and i ended up being the only levia in that pod had over 26 power attacks. I didn't end up playing all of them in most of my matchups, but my deck was very good. And I was able to 3-0 with that deck. So that was great. Oh, yeah, dude. Congrats. Even, even knowing I was the only levy in the pod and knowing that my deck was a very, very good levy deck, I was still really worried about things going wrong. I'm still not comfortable playing levy. I was wavering a lot about my blue count. I had seven blues that I... I think I wanted to play seven. I could have gone up to eight, but I ended up playing seven. And I don't know if that was correct still, but blues don't have six power unless they're very specific cards. Yeah. So you need a lot of sixes. Well, if I would have known I was uh, this good at rolling dice, I would have transferred to Brood a long time ago. So uh, clearly I punted <laughs> by not drafting Levia. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, my second draft started started kind of like with a 
a pack where the best card in it was Red Herald of Triumph by a reasonable margin. I think the equipment was Time Skippers, so not something I'm really looking to first pick. Uh, there was also a Red Phantasmify and some other Prism Common. Only one Prism Common, but I took the Red Herald of Triumph pick two. The Prism Common is missing. There was only one Prism Common in the pack. No good Prism Rares. Nothing that really I can even take and be Prism except an Ironhide Helmet. I look at the rest of the pack. The rest of the pack is pretty weak. I just took the Ironhide Helmet at that point. Pack three, same story. Still no good Prism cards. I don't remember even what I took in pack three. And then pack four, I get an Evanfold. And at that point, I am solidly Levia or Chain. And Levia ends up being reasonably more open than Chain. I end up Levia and have a, I think it's still a pretty solid Levia deck. I end up going 2-1 and being the second Levia in the pod. And I end up losing in the finals to Michael Fang's Prism. And he plays the game real well. Eventually, ends up fatiguing me, actually. So hmm. it's a good game. Oh, there you go. Monarch, great limited format that we all love and enjoyed and was really good and everybody was happy with the whole weekend. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think Monarch was bad. I think it's just like... It feels much more extreme than any of the other formats where like a lot of things can go really, really wrong in Monarch. Yeah. But I'm glad they didn't go really, really wrong for you. So good job. Thank you. Well, not pitter-pattering around. Do you want to talk about a fatigue briar, the deck of the (laughs) tournament, the breakout all-star of the weekend, that finally living legend briar, the way that we all thought she would through a hard fatigue deck? Yeah, we all thought that was how briar would be a living legend. Yeah, in the days of uh, ball lightning, we all thought she'd transfer into a fatigue deck two years later, and that's how she'd live in legend. (laughs) Yeah, it... It's really weird because I think a while ago, I think it was Nathan Crawford brought the first version of this deck that I know about. I think he brought it to the Goliath Gauntlet and he was playing just a bunch of three for sevens, a bunch of three block non-attack actions, um, a decent amount of two block non-attack action blues. And I looked at the deck, I'm like, man, this deck doesn't seem very good. (laughs) This deck seems like it would lose if... uh, your opponent kind of knows what's going on, knows what your game plan is, is of sending something and then uh, blocking with non-attacks and sending one attack. They can either set up five card hands, you don't have a lot of disruption because most of your cards are just three for sevens, or they can block a lot. And if they block and like set up an item or something, your five card hand, it, a lot of the time it's just going to be one single three for seven <laughs> because you don't really have a way to do anything else. So I thought there was a lot of a lot of counterplay to it. And even then, the deck still was only getting about 14 value per turn with attacking for seven, blocking for... With a one four block and one three block, you're getting about seven points of value on defense. And it was hard to consistently reach that 15 points of value that I feel like the final iteration that we saw in Nationals ended up getting. But anyway, the deck in the final... Or the deck that Charles Dunn took to, to win the tournament... It has a much higher count of three block non-attack actions now. Just like Warmongers didn't exist when Nathan Crawford came up with the list. And I'm not even sure if he was playing all of the three block non-attacks he had available, but maybe he was and just more exists now. I feel like that's not really something that I was tracking super closely, but our team kind of knew that that deck was a deck people might bring. We saw it top eight, the battle hardened like a week or two before, but none of us really... Yeah, we all thought it sucked. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't think it was real, I guess. We thought that, like, kind of the v- version of Briar that we 
we're working on would be quite good into that deck. And we didn't really think about how Lexi would line up into it because most of us were working on Briar at the time. And we just knew, or we felt pretty confident that our version of Briar would be favored if we played against it. So, And lo and behold, I lose to a fatigue Briar in the calling. <laughs> so, oops. Oops. And then, yeah, the deck actually ended up being quite good. Uh, even, even with opponents knowing what was going on, we saw it just take down the whole tournament. Day two, it still crushed. Open deck lists and top eight. Yep. Uh, day two, I actually lost to Fatigue Briar. Uh, it was not the same build that Charles Dunn was on, but a similar similar strategy by Holden. I don't know his last name, but he wanted to shout it on the podcast. So here you go, Holden. <laughs> Took me down with Fatigue Briar and... Yeah, the deck's, deck's pretty good, but it doesn't matter because there's a Battle Harder next weekend, and I think that's the last event until the Living Legend update. Is that might true? Be, might be one know. more after that. Okay. When does... I imagine it would come out around Bright Lights comes out. It's September 19th. It's an expanded announcement. I remember because it's my birthday. Oh, that's interesting. Well... Are you going to play Fatigue Briar at the Battle Hard in Columbus for one last go at the old girl or no? So I actually am just not going to Columbus. I was. Wow. That's surprising to me. I kind of. I mean, I'm not going, but I'm a caster now. So. Yeah, I, I think if it was an extra week out, I would probably go. But I do kind of have a lot of stuff I want to get done at home. Um. I've got my birthday celebration thing coming up in a couple of weeks that I want to get ready for. I want the house to be pretty nice. And yeah, I've just been gone for polished like all your trophies days. up there in a weekend. Now. <laughs> I know it's your regular weekend thing. You love taking them down and making sure they're nice and shiny. You, now you're behind on that. So you, you can't go two weeks without shining, but that they would, they'd be tarnished. Yep. So uh, that and I, I kind of made plans before I realized there was a battle hardened that weekend because I I didn't like pay that much attention to the schedule. I'm like, it's the weekend after nationals. There's not going to be anything going on. Oops. So I had other plans that I didn't want to break my commitment there for Sunday, so I could technically drive up for the battle hardened on Saturday, come back either Saturday night or Sunday morning and skip the PTI event. But I don't think I'm going to do that. And I don't, it's a lot of work to put a deck together and paper, like physically get all the cards, put them all together, drive up three hours to an event, drive back three hours back from the event. I'm just, I'm going to miss this one, but I did book my flight to Dallas. I booked my flight to Barcelona. I was kind of on the fence about both of those tournaments and had a great time in nationals, had a good time, even though I think Vegas sucks. Still don't like it as a place for events. It's hot, smells bad, too much casinos. Like you didn't even go outside most of the weekend. Yes, we didn't I, even have did. to go outside. I, I had to walk all the way from the hotel to the Uber, and it was too hot on those walks. And part, part How of the reason... it so hot at night? The sun wasn't even out anymore. I don't understand. What's making it hot? The sun's gone. Is the moon making it hot at night in the Las Vegas desert now? Is that how it works? And I, I brought up walking to Chipotle at one point, and you point at your phone where it says 105 degrees, and you're like, we're not walking. 110 degrees, degrees. So like, we're like, not walking i'm so not walking in my mile, defense two miles because I, I have to walk there and i have to walk back in 110 degrees i did want to go outside it just was prohibitively prohibitively hot outside 
Did you book your flight to Tokyo for the Battle Harden? Are you going to Tokyo on October? (laughs) I am not going to Tokyo for the Battle Harden. What about Rio de Janeiro? My my calendar has Barcelona and Dallas on it. And Dallas, I wasn't even positive I was going to Dallas, but then Brody was like, you can crash with me. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. Going to Dallas, going to go play some sweet board games at Brody's house, then play some bright lights. It'll be great. Yeah, so you got Dallas, Worlds, and then the Realm Invitational in December, and that's your flesh oh, of yeah. the year. I need to put the Realm thing on my calendar. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That'll be fun. Sounds what like a good you? year. Uh, I have my travel booked for Dallas. Um, I put some feelers out for casting, but obviously uh, I don't have any expectations that I'll ever even be hired to be in the first place. Uh, I'd be thrilled if I am, but no hard feelings if I'm not. And if I'm not, I guess I will uh, show up to the tournament that I have already booked my flight in hotel to. And and uh, I guess I'll play some Flesh and Blood that weekend. Sounds like a plan. With some bright lights cards. I'll get some, I'll play Mechanologist that weekend. Oh, oh, speaking of bright lights cards, uh, do you think are going to touch Lexi? Or do you think we're going to play Lexi in the bright lights format? They're not going to do anything to why would they? There's one card you should ban out of Lexi, and everybody hates it. They're not going to ban Voltaire. It's the only card that you should ban out of that deck. It's a stupid, it's a stupid powerful weapon. Action point shouldn't cost a resource, but it's fine. Just just let her go. It's fine. Oh well. What are we going to do? Play not unbalanced formats of Flesh and Blood. Yeah, it's it's weird because I feel like Lexi might be the final outlier. Like I think. If Lexi yeah, goes, when she goes, we're just like all in like mopey town. It's just mono like, mope after her. I guess Icelander. Dromai and Icelander are both like pretty powerful in like saying that you can't play specific decks. But they're not out putting like 30 damage a turn with on hits and destroying all your armor in like one turn. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I think like Decks that are bad against Lexi are just like decks that are just trying to play the game. Everyone is trying to do anything that's reasonably normal. It's just bad against Lexi because Lexi does it better. Yeah. And like there's even worlds where like you could try to race Stromai with certain mid-range builds or try to overwhelm um, Icelander. But like Lexi's just so good at just being this deck that doesn't care about what you're doing because her strategy is so proactive and if she does need to care about what you're doing she's very good at just blocking with her arrows and then still just coming over the top with like three of a kind or a codex in order to like claw her way back into games like she just has so much hidden card advantage well i guess uh overt and hidden card advantage like built into her deck now that even when you put her on the back foot she's not actually on the back foot you're still on the back foot surprise <laughs> surprise like you saw in that bravo game like he had you down to one life and you had like one card in hand one card in your arsenal and he was just like surprise bravo you were actually behind right now and it's like <laughs> oh i didn't know that was how this game was gonna go now yeah i really thought i was dead that game i did too buddy i was watching i was like michael's so dead right here i can't i'm sad and then you weren't dead yeah some of Lexi's cards are really messed up Codex of Frailty and Three of a Kind are very powerful. 
Yeah, but they all they all work around having you know being able to have easy access to action points to shoot all these arrows and make sure that you can have action points left over to play your codex and do all these things. If you don't have access to action points, it's a lot harder to maximize the utility of all these cards. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh well, what are you gonna do? Maybe uh maybe ban something. <laughs> nah, it's fine. Just let her go and then just release well, just don't don't touch her. Release uh, bright lights and have it affect the metagame not at all because that's what you know we want to happen when new sets come out we want the old <laughs> more powerful things to be way better than whatever we're releasing now and then eventually three or four months from now show living legend and then the format will be good so yeah it's, it's interesting <laughs> that we're getting an all mechanologist set because i think dash is actually a hero that's like pretty good right now like not on par with lexi but Dash into Fatigue Briar. If you know they're trying to fatigue you, you just item package and kill them. And dash into Icelander is one of Icelander's worst matchups. Probably Icelander's worst matchup right now. Maybe da- maybe I- or maybe Lexi's worse, but da- the dash matchup is very hard. So yeah, you know what? I'll I'll give credit for though. I think Lexi is probably just a really high skill cap hero too. Uh, just because mm-hmm. there's so many cards and so many little edges that if you're not maximizing each one of them, like I guess it's still possible for you to like fall behind in races or not realize the winning lines that you have available to you in games. And maybe that's why I've been bitching about Lexi nonstop since for the past six months because I've been playing against Mono, Michael Hamilton, Michael Fung, and Brody Spurlocks on Lexi for six fucking months, <laughs> getting my ass kicked repeatedly. But everybody else goes, oh, Lexi's not that good. She can't win a tournament. Well, you know, you guys all win or top eight tournaments with them all the time. What do you do? So good players are, are better with good decks. Who knew? Yeah, I, I do think Lexi is. I, th- I think Lexi is a higher skill cap deck than, in my opinion, a lot of the aggro decks of the past have been. And I also think Lexi mirrors, for that reason, are very skill intensive. There's a lot of like really good blocking decisions. I kind of after I lost my top eight match to Evan, I'm like, yeah, I think Evan played better than me and got luckier than me. And when both those things are true, especially in a matchup where your decisions matter a lot, it's very hard to win a game of flesh and blood. So I don't know. I I think Lexi is for a best deck. It's not the worst best deck we've had. Definitely prefer it to Starvo. I th- didn't you say the other day you think Lexi's better than Starvo though? I do. I do think the gap between Lexi and the second best deck is higher than the gap between Starvo and the second best deck was. Sorry, at at, at PT1. I think Starvo at Indy was too good, but I think Starvo at PT1 after they banned Autumn's Touch and Awakening, I think that was... Uh, I think Starvo was closer to Chain and Prism and Briar than Lexi is to the next best decks right now. That's a fair take. At, at Indianapolis, Starvo was stupid. Yeah, you'd have to be real dumb to not play Starvo that weekend. Skeletal Viscerai was also very good. <laughs> I think I missed that deck. Quite far away from Starvo's power. Yeah. Oh well. Any final thoughts as we wrap things up here, buddy? I need uh I need some uh, to go pass out. So I my, I really my, hope you get feeling better soon. Draining. I can feel the frog in my throat getting froggier by the second. Oh, no, not not the froggy frog. <laughs> a froggier frog. Yeah, I'm gonna be a froggy Raji soon. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs>
final right, thoughts. Go. Let you get some rest. No, no. Can you give me a final. Oh, I want to. Say, I still want to, yeah, you still get uh, some final thoughts. I still have. I still have enough health meter. I still have enough health <laughs> bar for that. All right. Congratulations to everybody at that did well at nationals and the calling and the battle hardened and I think. Okay. Final final thought. I once again was blown away by how nice and sweet everyone in the flesh and blood community is. I think I really appreciate how good of a community this game has. And I love you all. Keep being the wonderful people you are. Final, that's my final thoughts. That's fair. I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you to everybody who came up and said nice things to me. Um, if you were one of the fortunate people that came up and said, I don't want to know who the fan was that came up to me when I was cashing out on Sunday night. It was like, oh, I really like the podcast. I was like, oh, thank you. You win a hundred dollars. I, I don't remember them. I don't remember anything about them. But if you're out there, you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, that being said, the next time I'm handing you a hundred dollars, always remember, mind your man.